0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> here we are. Yeah, here we are. Hey look, it's, hey, a, look, butterfly. it's a butterfly. It's a butterfly. Oh.
1: Redding rainbow. Where what's happening, Laura? This is Redding Rainbow and Yeah. I can't see you, but I can hear you.
0: I know, yeah. So we said here we are, but the real question is are we both here? The answer is no. No. So you failed that quiz.
1: Yeah, that was a trick, Probably. and you didn't pass. What's going on? Why is, why are we What's like this?
0: <laughs> oh, well, because this little thing came up. The little thing that just threw a wrench at everybody's plans on the planet called COVID-19. Ew. It sent you home to another state, and I am still in the same state. I don't know if you want to say this state. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, you can it's say it. I mean... It's
0: Iowa. Okay. <laughs> it's easy.
1: Apparently, it's easy. It's so easy to, like, look up my address. So, I'm sure it's even easier to what? find out where I go to school. I looked it up. I just typed in my name and, like, address. Oh. And then they were like, you mean here? And I was like, oh, I guess. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, this is the first time to re- for us to record remotely. Yes. It and is. it's the third episode. So, I guess, you know, just in case we're, we're getting... big get too- strides. Yeah, in case we're getting too comfortable. No more.
0: Yeah, no more. COVID-19 is like comfortable don't
1: be stop it right over. now yeah but just because COVID-19 is happening to everyone in the whole wide world doesn't mean that Redding Rainbow is gonna stop its production no no
0: oh
1: no, oh, no. <laughs> yeah so while you're like at home self-quarantining yeah. take you know take half an hour and uh give us a give us an ear
0: yeah give bet- us one of your ears please mm-hmm.
1: bet you won't but please do okay so that being said welcome to episode 3 of reading rainbow where we Ooh. talk about a book that mm, a lot of people probably had to read in high school or middle school or something like that and we try to try to figure out what it was we were supposed to glean from this piece of literature
0: glean or gleam
1: glean or gleam i don't even know the difference
0: i don't yeah i don't care enough to look it up yet but
1: <laughs> maybe one day maybe
0: in post <laughs>
1: yeah So, Laura, tell us what book we are reviewing today.
0: We're reviewing The Color Purple, written by Alice Walker. I believe you have a a blurb about it.
1: Yes. So for anyone who has not read The Color Purple like me, here's a blurb from Goodreads. It says, a powerful cultural touchstone of modern American literature, The Color Purple depicts the lives of African American women in early 20th century rural Georgia. Separated as girls, sisters Celie and Nettie sustain their loyalty to and hope in each other across time, distance, and silence. Through a series of letters spanning 20 years, first from Seeley to God, then the sisters to each other, despite the unknown, the novel draws readers into its rich and memorable portrayals of Celie, Nettie, Shug Avery, and Sophia and their experience. The Color Purple broke the silence around domestic and sexual abuse, narrating the lives of women through their pla- through their pain and struggle, companionship and growth, resilience and bravery. Deeply compassionate and beautifully imagined, Alice Walker's epic carries readers on a spirit-affirming journey towards redemption and love. Like I said, I had never read this book. I didn't really know what I was getting into. Had you read this book and or how had you heard of it or like what? Because I had never heard of this book before ever.
0: I did have to read it. I read it in 10th grade, sophomore year. Um, And I would say it's kind of the defining book for me from that year. That and The Catcher in the Rye, which uh, we'll get to that maybe one day.
1: Maybe the listeners have come to know, I listened to this book. I listened to like a dramatized, dramatized, dramatized version of this and it was very entertaining but also a lot of stuff strung together because you know there's totally definitely a difference between physically seeing something on a page and then listening to it
0: i read it um on an e as an ebook, as i read like the majority of my books these Mm
1: -hmm. days i feel like the description that goodreads gives doesn't really talk about like the lgbtq plus representation in this and i'm like isn't that maybe at the time when it was written it was just like glossed over or like blatantly ignored but i feel like now in the present it should be acknowledged i mean representation in history because this book was written in like 1980 so the fact that it existed then and this character existed and also that it was like a woman of color who was also lgbtq plus but it does appear on the top on like the sh- cause you know in Goodreads you could organize things on shelves and like tag a shelf on it. Oh yeah. So oh yeah, I it, do know. Um it does it is on the LGBT and the LGBTQ and yes. the queer and it's on a bunch of these, but I feel like in the in the blurb it could be mentioned. I don't
0: know. Yeah. It's very intersectional. There's a ton of different issues. It's like it's super complex. I think as like a high schooler that was very eye opening and very I mean mind blowing. Just Mm -hmm. how many places it goes, like, because it juxtaposes, you know, like, white people and black people and men and women and, like, how they oppress each other.
1: And I guess we'll just jump right into the summary. I'll... Oh, yeah. Let's do it. And then I'll jump in when I have stuff to say.
0: So there's two sisters, Celie and Nettie, and they are the two narrators, because this is told through letters. Um, So Celie is the oldest sister, and she was sexually abused by her father, quote-unquote, and she had two kids by him. He took them away, and she didn't know what happened to them. Then he forced her to marry a husband that um, was also abusive and beat her. The most of the story is told from her perspective, and she writes letters addressed to God to start. So over the course of the book, she eventually finds her voice and finds her words. She starts her own business-making pants. She starts a romance with a woman named Suge Avery, um, a jazz singer. She also realizes the man she thought was her father wasn't actually related to her. And she finds out that realizes the man she thought was her father wasn't actually related to her. Nettie, meanwhile, she's the young one. She ran away from home, and she writes letters to Celie, but they don't make it because the man that Seelie married, named Albert, actually kept them from her. Like, he stole them and never showed them to Seelie. So Seelie doesn't know what happened to Nettie. So while is living her life the whole time, Nettie, she finds Seelie's children. She finds the couple that adopted them. Um, it turns out they're missionaries, Corinne and Samuel. Um, and she kind of just starts living with them. She goes with them to Africa to be missionaries. And they live there for several years. And there's a lot of drama there. Um, like, Corinne dies. They learn a ton about, like, how Africans live there and how they view Americans and how they view Black Eventually, they return, the sisters and the children are reunited, um, and that's kind of where the book ends.
1: Nettie's story, so she's a missionary in Africa, and unfortunately, around this time, I was also listening to the Book of Mormon, which was, like, so different, but that's just what I kept thinking of, and I was like, mm, <laughs> definitely not the tone, not the place.
0: Um, but also, it brings up the topic of how you know, um, Black Americans are... Different in their in their cultures than from like Africans, because when Nettie and Corinne and Samuel and the kids are in Africa, they mention how the Olinka the people that they are living with, they look down on Nettie because she's like single and doesn't have kids, right? Then she doesn't have a husband or anything, because they see that as a way um, that women have value. The the missionaries like Nettie and the couple and the kids, they feel like all the relationships relationships are very shallow with the village Even though they were so excited to see the place where, like, their ancestors came from.
1: Speaking of which, you yeah. know, returning to like a place that is supposed to be your roots and your heritage, and then realizing that it's like not really what you identify with. Mm-hmm. Hello, adoptees.
0: Oh my gosh, I was gonna. I said the same thing in my notes. Yeah, and I don't. I don't know if we've talked about this before in the podcast, but listeners, if you didn't know, we we're we Ellie and I are both um, Asian adoptees. Surprise,
1: Ellie. Boom. Oh my what? Oh. I'm adopted
0: <laughs> So that's what we're talking about when we mention um adoption and We, we yeah, we you know what? We're <laughs> a part of
1: this, okay? So
0: This is our cause, you know? Yeah um, This is our call to action.
1: Yeah,
0: so I could relate, yeah, to that part of the book where um Nettie is describing how they, they don't connect to these people even though they're supposed to because their answers just came from there. she said, It is hard to relate as about adoptee sometimes to people who are because families are Asian, over from Asia, and, like, I'm a little afraid to be called, like, fake, or to mm-hmm. not be recognized, you know, saying, like, oh, but well, you're not really Asian, because yeah. that has been said, that's been tossed around. And it's not, like, a visible thing, you know, because if I don't say anything about it, no one would assume that I'm not, that my culture is not Asian.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've experienced, like, being in an Asian country and mm-hmm. maybe looking like everyone around me, and then as long as I don't yeah. say anything people might just assume or if i mean sometimes if i'm wearing like jeans then they straight up know that i'm from america but if i don't talk then i kind of blend in and i pass and it's fine but then once i open my mouth people know
0: it is different than being african-american or black or african for sure but yeah those that narrative kind of made a lot of sense to me
1: i have so many questions about this i'll probably mm-hmm. should probably do a second read and like physically read this book there was a All part right. where what's her name like corinne she is yep. dying of some disease that she got in africa and she's convinced that the kids that her and samuel adopted i think were nettie's kids and then she's like nettie i know you cheated on me show me everything and then nettie's like mm-hmm seriously no and then even samuel's just like what's the deal why do these kids look like you and then that's when we mm-hmm. discover that they're actually celie's kids that the father got rid of someone tells celie and then celie like right
0: i i thought so that's in the book celie goes to town and sees her kid and she knows that's her kid because she She can, like, see what the kid looks like. And she, like, hears someone say the mother's name or the father's name. And so she sends Nettie to them because she's like, that's where my kids are. Right? I
1: didn't understand the timeline of this. So they, Nettie and Celia are together. Yeah. And then Celia gets married and then she loses contact with Nettie. And then so many years in the future, Celia finds these letters that Nettie wrote to her in the past. And then she was responding and then responding to them and somewhere in between then we became the president of Seely corresponding with Netty, who was still in Africa. Right?
0: I don't think well they didn't correspond. Like they never got each other's letters. Nettie never gets Seely's letter. Wait.
1: So so then am I wrong in saying that Seely's kids were ever under Netty's care? Or were they? They were. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. Let
0: me think. I'm trying to search Reverend Okay, yeah, because it's like she's talking about when Nettie's about to leave forever, like she's running away. Seely says, I only got one thing to give her, the name of Reverend Mr. Blank. I tell her to ask for his wife, that maybe she would help. She's the only one to ever with money.
1: Wait, who sent her what?
0: So I think Seely sent Nettie to that woman and that husband because she knew that they had her kids. Right?
1: Hold on, let me look. I'm looking at this.
0: Okay.
1: I'm reading the Wikipedia plot where it gives us, like, play-by-play. Oh, Okay, so it says shortly after Nettie runs away from Alfonso and takes refuge at Seely's house where Mr. makes sexual advances toward her. Seely <laughs> then advises Nettie Ugh. to seek assistance from a well-dressed black woman that she saw in the general store a while back. The woman has unknowingly adopted Olivia and was the only black woman that Seely had ever seen with money of her own. Nettie is forced to leave after promising to write. Seely, however, never receives any letters and concludes that her sister is dead.
0: She's, okay, so she suspected that that... Those people had her kids, but she didn't know for sure.
1: But that, but that well-to-do black woman—that is the woman. That's the missionary that goes to. Oh, okay, okay. Geez, I don't know anything. (laughs) That was a deep dive, guys. That's it. So if you guys are ever confused when you read this book, don't be. We just all—we flushed it all out right here for you. Don't you
0: dare be
1: confused ever. (laughs) Now I'm gonna jump to something completely different. There's a part already where Seeley is the mom to, like, the stepson whose name is Har... Harbo? Harpo? Harpo? Harpo,
0: yeah.
1: Harpo. Not Harbo, like the gummy bears. Harpo. Like the... something. I don't know. Yep. Like a harpoon. Um. Yeah. And he fancies a girl named Sophie. Sophia, and then, yeah,
0: right?
1: Yeah. So, there's a part where Harpo is like, how do I get Sophie... So- Sophia to behave like you do, Seeley And then she's like, I don't know if she says that he should beat Sophia, but, like, that's what he gets from it. And then he does. Yeah. And then Sophie's like, why did you—Sophia—oh, my gosh, I cannot get this name in my head. Sophia is like, Seely, why did you tell my husband to beat me? And then she has this line, because I remember this line, mm-hmm. and I wrote it down. I said, all my life I has to fight, and I didn't know if that was a reference to the Ken- Kendrick Lamar song.
0: That uh, would be really a other way around, wouldn't it be? <laughs> what? It would be the other
1: way around. not well, that's what I meant. I didn't know if, like, Kendrick Lamar was, like, <laughs> doing a reference to The Color Purple. Yes, that's not... that. I meant yeah. that. Yes. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, um, I'm pretty sure Kendrick Lamar is God and definitely <laughs> inspired The Color Purple before he was even born. Could be. I don't
0: know what song we're talking
1: about. Um, I think it's... It might be the song... Humble. He's like, something, something, battles, battle scars. I'm not... I am no crapper, so I don't know. Okay, no. Do you hear it... me typing? I do, I can. It's, it's okay. ASMR. Um, <laughs> it is the song Backseat Freestyle by Kendrick Lamar, and I don't know why I heard this, because I'm not one who listens to a lot of rap, but it, it has I've a- also also,
0: That lyric is also in All Right by Kendrick Lamar.
1: Okay, then it's definitely that song, because that song sounds a l- lot more familiar. Does it have something about, like, battle scars?
0: Uh, let me just control F. There's no battle in these lyrics.
1: I don't know anything. I think I'm going crazy.
0: Well, it says, it says in this, this Genius.com page that that is a reference to The Color Purple.
1: Nice. But, like, what am I thinking of where he said, I fight wounds, I fight battle oh. scars. Oh my gosh, I'm so mad at myself. I think it's from bad blood <laughs> from Taylor Swift. By Taylor Swift, which makes Sorry. me so angry cuz now I just feel like super like mainstream and white, and I'm sad. So,
0: so.
1: <laughs> for all you people who think the color purple isn't relevant, think again. Boom.
0: Yeah, honestly, think again.
1: And who all you people who think rap isn't relevant, think yeah. again it's inspired by classic literature okay well again like we said now we know that kendrick lamar is well versed in the color purple and he's like remember kids all my life i has to fight Mm -hmm. from sophia from the color purple
0: like i said this is pretty definitive for me in my sophomore year reading. I feel like though the intended takeaways that I can recall is that Jesus wasn't white and we shouldn't be afraid of sexuality. Maybe that's a takeaway. And I say that because our teacher, he read the passage about the button, which is an euphemism for the clitoris. And he like read it out loud for some reason. And everybody was like, visibly uncomfortable. But it happened. (laughs) I just don't know why. I'm like blushing thinking about it. Like I don't (laughs) remember... (laughs) I think i blocked out like the conversation about this but i feel like he really wanted us to like be okay with that part
1: and he's like guys it's time for your sexual reawakening and you get and you're like um i'm in 10th grade please yeah. leave you know you're not like shaming you're not saying like 10th graders shouldn't know about this but you're just like right i don't like, know it's... if it was his call to be like entire class under like be awakened know what the button yeah. is
0: yeah i definitely wish that this had come about in a different way than it in- English class. Well, okay, so
1: I think think the (laughs) intended takeaways, for someone who hasn't read this and from just reading the blurb, I think it was supposed to be an introduction to African-American literature and to, like, Black Americans in text. English teachers were like, here you go, here is an introduction into, like, Black American characters. Going into the, like, actual takeaways, I feel like it's hard because since this is the first time I've ever read the book, And I'm not saying I'm well-versed in African-American literature or, you know, Black America, but I just, this is not my first time reading a narrative similar to this, so it didn't hit as hard.
0: As a high schooler who, you know, honestly hadn't read as much African-American literature, it was like a good reading. We did take a lot of good lessons from it because we talked a lot about how God doesn't have to be one thing and that God doesn't have to be white, even though a lot of us think he is just because the church, like, Draws in that way, and religion doesn't have to be one thing. I think that was very helpful for me at the time because I was, you know, having my religious crisis as a. Oh,
1: teenager. I did not know. Oh, wow. I guess I also had like a religious crisis around that same time too.
0: Well, feel, well my religious crisis has truly been ongoing since being six years old. So, like, I damn. All right.
1: <laughs> You're like, listen, it's been a journey.
0: Another takeaway is yeah, oppression is similar in all intersections. There's a phrase. I did highlight this one that came up twice um i think it said about albert the abusive husband he only listened long enough to tell you what to do and that's used later again when white people talk to black people like they only listen long enough to be able to tell you what to do i do
1: want to yeah. say i feel now i'm sad because like i did not this religion aspect of it just went right over my head
0: even the title the color purple it's from the conversation where they like why can't god be in the color purple
1: um. Let's move on to ratings. I always forget how we rate things here. <laughs> I don't even I know. Like, I time. guess just what did you? What do what you? Whatever
0: the scale is, like if it's, I, I, I give it like ten out of ten, five out of five. You know, whatever. Yeah. I think it was great.
1: I think I give it. I don't know if I give it. You know me. Like it's hard to get that ten out of ten. Like, but it was good, and I think again the importance of it. In the history of literature very important and everything but since I've read other books that feature an african-american or black American narrative there's others I would probably and I will recommend more than this one so for me it's like a 8 out of 10 or like a very close but not quite I don't know I'm a hard man to please Speaking of what, which, let's move on to book recommendations. I have one at, I have two at the ready.
0: I have one at the ready.
1: Wow. Well, I'm going to go first. So I didn't have to read this, but a book I did have to read at the same time, around the same time, was a book called Little Bee. Little Bee by Chris Cleave. And this one I would, if not a 10 out of 10, it's a 9 out of 10. It was a good book. I really liked it. It's about an illegal Nigerian refugee um, who comes to London, and then, like, her relationship with a recent widow from London, like, The Color Purple kind of shocked, might shock a 10th grader about talking about, um, like, sexuality, Mm -hmm. Little B talks about the immigrant experience, and, like, there was this one part where, I'm not gonna spoil it, but I was, like, it was, like, a graphic, and I was not expecting it, and I was, like, as a 10th grader, I was like, oh my gosh, should I be reading this? Like, I like it, but also, like, I did not expect my teacher to be like, I will allow it, go ahead, feast oh, yeah. your eyes. And then another one by, I always mispronounce this person's name, and I always feel bad, but Tanahisi nehisi Coates?
0: Oh, yeah.
1: The Beautiful Struggle, and I just think it's it's beautiful. So I think you should read it.
0: Mine is Homegoing by Yaa Jesse. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, which was really good. Um, it also follows actually kind of two sisters. that are split very early on in the book, and then it follows their bloodlines basically, like their kids and their, ki- and their descendants through. One so bloodline stays in Africa, so follows them through different like locations and generations and the different struggles they have. Um, and the other was take like that sister was taken as a slave, so her her descendants live through. Live in America, so like the chapters alternate, like one in America, one in Africa, and I I love multi generational storylines. Um, seeing how like choices in one generation impact the ones after. Anyway, obviously it's also an exploration of um, being black in America versus being black in Africa. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and, uh...
1: I have also read that book, and I would also okay, recommend. Cool. Um... Yes. Oh, I didn't know you read it. Yeah, no, I did. Um, I read it during this. Okay, caveat. I listened to it. I listened to all my books. Leave me alone. But if you like... (laughs) I'm doing a recommendation off of that recommendation. If you like intergenerational stories and you want to read one from an Asian American perspective, Pachinko, which I'm sure you've heard
0: about. It's funny because I just got a copy of Pachinko.
1: So those are three solid recommendations, people. Yeah. You've got a lot of time on your hands as you're self-quarantining. But also, if you're feeling a little lonely while you read these books or you want something to share... Skype up that friend of yours and just read that book aloud. Do it. Yes, do it, whether they
0: want you to or not. Yeah, even they if they don't they can't, ask for it.
1: <laughs> too bad. Hack the system <laughs> and and force them to enjoy this this content. Okay.
0: Um, what are you currently reading?
1: What am I currently reading? Um, I am listen. I'm okay, so I'm actually physically reading a book called Unbearable Splendor, which is a fusion between like poetry and essay and it is by Sun Young Shin and it's a Korean adoptee it's like very experimental because it has diagrams and poetry and folklore mixed into it but it's really good I would so far I'm like 40 pages in but I would recommend it and then I'm also listening to the book The Grace Year by Kim Liggett which is about Women at the age of 16, society believes they get these powers, quote-unquote powers, and they get sent into the forest to survive a year, and then they get to come back into society and be reintegrated and essentially married off. And so it's a lot about feminism, but it's also, like, shrouded in high fantasy. So sometimes I feel like the metaphors are heavy-handed, but also it's still pretty entertaining and it's, like, fun to listen to. Your turn.
0: I'm currently reading undead girl gang by lily anderson it's young adult the main character her best friend just died like she's in high school their best friends they're both weekends together um, and i haven't gotten to it yet but she does raise her best friend from the dead along with two others and it's a murder mystery it seems it's pretty funny so far it's like trying really hard to be funny and it's mostly succeeding so like you know it's fine <laughs> i just finished news of the world by paulette giles there is an old guy. He's kind of the main character. His He just runs, like, rides around to the south in the 1800s, I think. And, like, reads news to people. Like, that's all he does. He just reads the newspaper to them because they want to hear it. Um, and then they <laughs> ask him to escort this, like, kid, a little girl who, she was white, but she was kidnapped by the um, Native American people, the Kiowa, the Kiowa. I actually haven't heard it out loud yet. Is it um,
1: K-I-O-W-A? Yeah. I would say Kiowa, but that's only because Colorado Springs, which is where I live, oh my gosh, yeah. I just revealed even more, um, <gasps> Kiowa, we have a street called Kiowa, mm-hmm. and, but also caveat, Colorado is, like, known for taking names and totally butchering them super bad, <laughs> but being like, no, this is how you say it, so I would say Kiowa, but don't quote me. Well,
0: anyway, so the the Kiowa, kid um, <laughs> was a girl when she was, like, younger, and uh, now she's 10, so it's been, like, four years. Um, and they, the RV like, rescued her, quote-unquote, from the, the Kiowa, and they want the God of Eternity her parent, or her, not her, her relatives, and she, she, like, believes she's Kiowa, like, that's her culture, that's her language, that's her mannerisms, that's everything, so she's like, this is, I'm in the land of the enemies, like, this is weird, so it's a pretty interesting story about, like, culture, and a time that I never read about. I'm not a really historical fiction buff, but it was pretty interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. So let's reflect back on last episode what were Uh we reading and we assume assuming assumedly that we finished it and that it wasn't so bad that we just dropped it or maybe it was like what has happened to those Uh books that we were last reading go
0: um i think i was pretty sure i was reading the seven and a half deaths of evelyn hardcastle
1: Mm -hmm. um
0: and i kind of of wish i'd quit it because it just dragged on a lot and it became a very different book by the end than at the beginning which is not always a bad thing um yeah, no spoilers. I just didn't like the tone at the end compared to the one at the beginning.
1: Ugh, disgusting. Just kidding. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But you wouldn't recommend so, but,
0: it. Um, it depends on who you are, you know? But it was pretty thrilling, if you like thrills. So you really gotta take a chance on it, like I did.
1: <laughs> What's, okay. What was
0: that thing you always say, the... Uh, shoot for the moon, land of the stars.
1: Nope. That I personally always say? Or... Yeah,
0: you always tell me this thing.
1: Oh, it's um, like, I think it's you'll... shoot for the moon, even if you miss your land among the stars, which I think... No. What <laughs> do you <laughs> mean? That's too. the quote. That is the quote. Yeah, but I
0: don't think it's your quote. I think you say, like... You, like, you, you won't make it if you don't take the shot, something like that.
1: You miss 100% of the shots you don't take?
0: That's it, yes. <laughs> I didn't
1: say that. I'm pretty sure, like, Albert Einstein or someone said that. No,
0: I know that No, you didn't originate it. I'm just saying you tell it to me all the time.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. You do miss 100% of the shots you don't take. That's a true fact. You can quote me on yeah, that one. Okay.
0: Yeah because, yeah, because, listeners, you'll learn that I don't... Yeah, I, th- I think about whether or not I should take shots, I guess.
1: Always take shots.
0: Take the
1: shot, you know? Always take shots. That's our motto. Take the shots,
0: I guess. Yeah. Uh,
1: The in parentheses. Always take shots. (laughs) Okay. Okay, last time I was probably reading... I think I was reading A Fort of Nine Towers, an Afghan family story by... I think his name is Kais Akbar Omar. Okay, on the off chance I was reading America is in the Heart, a personal history by Carlos Bolosan. That was a Filipino-American story about an immigrant who goes to America. Um, that was for my Asian American literature class and I soon discovered that I cannot say that person's last name so I always I was like oh, I feel so bad but also I'm so sorry. Um, but in that time I read A Fort of Nine Towers, An Afghan Family Story which is about as the title says um, a family in Afghanistan living through the Soviet-Afghan War of, ni- of the 1980s. I knew nothing about that and I had to read that for my memoir class. It was interesting super graphic way more graphic than I was expecting um and I will say it was interesting because I was reading this at the time of when like COVID-19 was just beginning to take hype in the U.S. so I was reading this while this was all happening and I was kind of like freaking out and then reading about this horrible war story it was like oh things aren't that bad so like it helped me Kind of put oh, things into perspective and calm down. Oh. And then, Shortcomings by Adrian Tomine or Tomine or something like that. And I read that one for my Asian American literature literature class. It's a graphic novel. I don't think I've ever read a graphic novel, but I really liked this one. And it does talk about, um, you know, Asian American identity. Um, and it makes all the characters super raw and, at least I thought it did, it presents them as very raw and controversial, which I think I liked because it was presenting us with, there's no like right or wrong. This is just, this is like a character and this is how they are. They're not meant to be likable or unlikable. That's just, they exist in this thing. So I really liked it. I read it in one day because it, one, I think partly because it was a graphic novel and then two, because it was really good. You're
0: reading such cool books. I'm reading. I'm reading. I mean, I'm also reading cool books, but I'm like. If
1: you want, I can send you shortcomings because I'm done with it now, and it was pretty good. I would. I would do have it. To
0: microwave it to get all the. Covid. The germs
1: off. It. Yeah. can What happens if you microwave a book? <laughs> we'll Nothing. Does it get warm? Like.
0: Listen next month, and you'll find out. <laughs>
1: okay, I freaking will. I will microwave a book in my house. It'll probably yeah. be a book I don't care about, just in case things go awry. <laughs> yeah. But whatever here we are we have finished those are our recommendations and everything else we've read and all things books so if you like what you heard um i don't know i guess like write us a comment or send us an email or or
0: tell somebody about it
1: tell someone about it contact us and tell us how much you send us fan mail or hate mail but i'm probably
0: actually no i won't
1: know (laughs) the difference any mail is mail, honey. It.
0: All right. Well, I will not look at it.
1: Yeah. So, Unless, I, and no. also you don't know who's, who to send it to. So it'll have to be electronic hate slash fan mail. Um, but send Love that, mail. send all of that to, um, reading, not reading at gmail.com. How is that yeah. spelled? Laura? Um,
0: well, reading is spelled R E A D I N G. And reading is spelled r e a d i n g
1: hooray it sounds confusing hooray. but if you think so it's about writing, it reading not reading <laughs> yeah but if you think about yeah. it it's actually very witty and definitely worth all the struggle and explanation that it requires we do episodes at the last thursday of every month so next episode what will we be reading or discussing uh, what will we be we're discussing reading,
0: we'll be discussing the giver
1: by lois which lowry I not read.
0: Lois Lowry. Yeah. Sorry, went too far ahead.
1: Yeah, jeez, dude.
0: Forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. <laughs>
1: Forgive her, me. <laughs> oh, man. You freaking got me. It's been a pleasure, Laura. I hope you stay safe and I get to see you in, like, two to three months. But I guess we'll see. Yeah,
0: that'd be the dream,
1: wouldn't it? That I mean, I'll see you visually if we do, like, a video call. But, I mean, physically. Yeah. So I can pinch your cheeks or something, I don't know.
0: Yeah, really drink you in.
1: Yeah. Um until then, uh wash your hands, social distance, and remember, just because you get the COVID and you don't die doesn't mean that you're not a carrier and you could spread it to someone who could die.
0: Yes, don't so, forget.
1: Don't ever forget that. <laughs> Sorry to go, <laughs> go so ahead. blunt, but that's just how we do.
0: Yeah. Be yeah, be well guys, be safe and talk to your friends and talk to people that you like and write a book. And talk about it with people that you like.
1: Yeah. Be well.
0: Be well.